Well, good morning, good morning, and welcome to you, whether you're watching online or in East Hall or here in the sanctuary. My name is Zach. I'm on staff here at CCC running Orchard NEO, which is our church planting initiative. I do want to take just a few minutes and give you an update on what's happening with Orchard. I know a lot of you have been asking, hey, what's the latest? What's going on since the last time you heard? Let me give you two updates. One is that this fall, we are hoping to bring in two church planters and their families to begin the one-year process of training them to then plant two churches in the fall of 2020. And I've been out on the road a lot recruiting, trying to get uh, guys to move here with their families to plant churches, which is a big ask. But I'm happy to say that though we only want two for this fall, we have eight applicants. So... The Lord has been really gracious to us and getting people excited about uh, what's happening with Orchard and Ineo, which is tremendous. The second thing I want to tell you is it's really important to me, and I hope to you, that you stay up to date with what's happening with Orchard. And to that end, if you have a bulletin, this is the front, uh, kind of this dark uh, cover here that says Make Jesus Famous. If you turn around to the back, on the back of your bulletin, if you're looking at the bulletin, the bottom left, there's a blue rectangle there. And that blue rectangle has all the information you need to sign up for the Orchard NEO weekly newsletter. And the goal of the weekly newsletter is simple. We want to put something in your inbox every week that will keep you up to date with what is happening that week at Orchard NEO. We want to make sure that not only you're celebrating with us and you're excited with us, but it's very important to me that you're praying today and tomorrow's prayers and not yesterday's prayers. And so the newsletter will help you uh, know where we need you to be praying, and it'll also help you know how you can get involved. So I know some of you have been asking, hey, I'm really excited about Orchard. How do I participate? How can I help out? The newsletter will be full of information every week of what's going on and where there's place for you to plug in. So all you got to do is go to the Orchard NEO website, orchardneo.com, and sign up for the newsletter. The information's there in the bulletin on how you can do that. I'd also love for you to recommend that others that you're friends with who maybe attend other churches around Northeast Ohio who are curious about what we're doing with church planning, that they sign up for the newsletter and they can stay informed and know what we're doing, even as we potentially come closer to them uh, in their neighborhood, wherever that might be. So please take the time to do that. And again, we thank you for your support and for your prayers. We are in the uh, sermon series we're calling Only Jesus. It's going to take us up to Easter, in which we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're looking at things that are not only true of Jesus, but are uniquely true of Jesus. Things that are true of Jesus that are only true of him and the significance of those things. We're going to do that this week by looking at John chapter 8 verses 12 through 20 as we talk about only Jesus offers light. And so if you have a Bible, I would love to invite you to open it up and turn to John chapter 8 or turn on your phone and flip to John chapter 8. Or if you need to, this, it'll be on the screen behind me. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Here's what they say. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. 
For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. I want to show you three things from this passage that I believe if we grab hold of, if we understand them, if we kind of wrap our arms around them, three things that can change our lives. And and I don't just mean change your life like moving forward one day in the future, it'll click. I mean right here, right now, if we were to grab hold of these things, we would be changed and we would continue to be changed as we go about our lives. Here are those three things. I'll give them to you, and then we'll walk through them. First, I want you to see where we are, what Jesus says about where we are. Number two, I want you to see who he is. And then number three, where he can take us, okay? Where we are, who he is, and where he can take us. Let's start with number one, where we are. John 8, 12 begins the passage this way, with Jesus just kind of blurting out, I am the light of the world. And I was reading it this week. It made me think of when I'm in downtown Cleveland and somebody down there who seems crazy is shouting gibberish at me. And you know when you're in downtown, there's only one rule. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. You just keep walking. I remember when I first got to Cleveland, I was downtown one day with a group of people. We're walking in a group and a guy yells, hey. And of course, what did I do? I made eye contact. And he looks at me and he says, hey, I like you. And I thought, well, that's, that's nice. And he goes, so I'm not going to stab you. <laughs> I thought, well, that's even nicer, really, if you think about it. I, I don't want to be stabbed. Jesus begins the passage this way. I am the light of the world. And I can just see him saying this in downtown Cleveland and somebody saying, good for you, buddy, and just keep walking. I mean, who cares that Jesus calls himself the light of the world? Who cares? Well, the reason why we should care is what comes next. Look at what he says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You see, the flip side of that is whoever doesn't walk with me, whoever's not walking with me, is walking in darkness. Jesus is saying, without me, you live in darkness. Apart from me, you operate in darkness. I operate in darkness. Now, this is John 8. This is not John 20. So when he says that, it's at the very beginning of his ministry. So what he's really saying is all of you, all of you are in darkness. What does that mean to be in darkness? Do you feel this morning like you're in darkness? What would that even be like? What do you think of when you think of darkness? For me, like I said, I've been on the road a lot lately. I've been in a lot of hotel rooms and uh, I can't really sleep unless 
It's complete darkness. Now, listen, what you heard me say is, I need to turn the lights off. But that's not what I said. What I said is, I need complete darkness. So in hotels, they have all these little lights that are on all over the room. Like you turn a lamp off and the switch glows on the lamp. And I can't sleep. It's just staring at me while I lay there in bed. So I I get in the hotel room. I turn off all the lights. I start unplugging things. I'm taking shirts out of my suitcase. I'm covering things up. I've got a sock hanging on something on the wall so that I get complete darkness. And then when the room is completely dark, now I'm ready to sleep. And that's great until it's two o'clock in the morning and I wake up and I've got to go to the bathroom. And then I realize the genius of the light switch that glows, right? I, I, I see now why. Oh, that's why they invent this. And, but that's not what I have. I have darkness. And so I roll out of bed and I, I walk like this. You know, it's like baby steps because I don't want to stub my toe and arms out so I can find a chair or a wall before it finds my nose. And so I'm just navigating the room like this. I'm in darkness. I, I have no clarity I have no certainty and I have no confidence. And if you think about it that way, then what Jesus means when he says, without me you walk in darkness, is he means that for many of us, maybe in some ways all of us, we would say, you know what, I, I do move through life oftentimes without clarity, without certainty, and without confidence. You know, give you some examples of that. Like, for example, in the arena of decision-making. When it comes time to make a major life decision, you could describe our process like this. Baby steps, arms out, hoping to catch the mistake, hoping to figure out which way is right and which way is wrong. But if we were honest, we would say, I'm making this decision, but I'm in the dark. I have no clarity, confidence, or certainty that I'm making the right decision decision. In fact, often when we ask people for advice in those moments, we're not so much asking for advice as much as we are asking them to make the decision for us. Or or, or maybe if you think about the roles that you play, like my guess is all of us have certain roles we play that we crush. Like, hey, at work, uh, everybody knows. They can come to me and I know what I'm doing. But at home, with my wife or with my husband, with my kids, as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a teenager, as the parent of a teenager, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm tossing it, turning at night, saying, did I do enough? Should I be more disciplined? Should I be less? Should I be harsher? Should I be softer? Should I have yelled? Should I not have yelled? I don't know. Or, or sometimes circumstances throw us in the dark where you're like, I, no, I feel like I know who I am and I know what to do, but I go to the doctor and the doctor gives me a diagnosis and all of a sudden I have no idea what's going to happen in my life. And I have no idea why I'm going through what I'm going through and I have no idea what to do about it. Regardless of whichever one of those situations resonates most with you, the reality is Jesus is right. We live in darkness. We don't really know. We're doing the best we can. But there's another layer to this that makes the darkness maybe a little stronger, and that is that eventually that kind of practical darkness leads to spiritual darkness. Because it occurs to us that, hey, if I have a major life decision and I don't know what to do, and and, and I have this role as a husband or a father or a wife or a mother, and I don't know what to do, 
and, and I have this diagnosis and I don't know what's going on. If there's a God, he knows what's going on and he could tell me, so why doesn't he? And so we lay in bed at night, of course, in complete darkness. And we say things like, God, are you out there? Do you even care? Why aren't you helping me? What are you doing? Help me see your plan. But in all of that, what we're really saying is, God, I'm in the dark. And and let me just say to you, if that's where you find yourself right now, if you came in this morning and you say, yeah, I'm in the dark. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's where I am. Let me just encourage you with two things. Number one, we've all been there. And those of us who would say, I haven't been there, good for you. That just means you're going to be there next. You're headed there. In fact, some of you, I might, I might have done that to you right now. You were having an existential crisis right this minute. But the second thing I want you to see is if you would say, I'm in darkness, Jesus is telling you you're not alone. That's how he says everyone is apart from him. It's not like everybody else came in with absolute clarity. Everybody else knows what to do. Everybody else has the answers. Everybody else knows what God's doing and who God is, but you don't. It's not as though everyone has some kind of secret knowledge that you don't possess. Jesus says, apart from me, everyone is in darkness. That's where we are. And that leads me to the second point, which is to say, now let's look at who he is. You see, if you understand yourself to be in darkness, if you understand yourself to not have clarity, to not have certainty, to not have confidence, if you understand you're tossing and turning at night saying, God, are you out there? God, do you care? Then when Jesus says in verse 12 this, I am the light of the world, it becomes relevant to you. So what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world? Well, the first thing he means is he's not in darkness. He is light. He means that he doesn't wonder who God is and what God's doing. He knows. He, he doesn't wonder what to decide. He, he knows. He doesn't, underst- he doesn't wonder if he's doing it right or if he's got the answers or if he's fulfilling his role. He, he knows. Jesus is saying, you live in darkness. You don't have clarity. You don't have certainty. You don't have confidence. I don't have those things. But Jesus says, me, Jesus, I have them. I'm the light. I'm in the light. And you know, if you read the Gospels, which if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you hear maybe you're not a Christian, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And if you're looking to get into the Bible, they are the best place to start. But if you read them, here's what you'll see about Jesus. Over and over and over again, he, tell, he shows you he lives with absolute clarity and absolute certainty and absolute confidence. Like, let me give you an example. It's my favorite example. Jesus shows up at the funeral of his friend Lazarus, and everyone's freaking out. Lazarus is dead. Why did this happen? It's, why do people die? Why did he die? People are even saying to Jesus, why did you wait so long to get here? You might have been able to help. Don't you even care? It's a time of uncertainty and, and a lack of clarity and a lack of confidence and chaos. And Jesus goes before the tomb of Lazarus and he prays. Do you, do you remember this? Have you, have you read this? It's worth reading. And let me paraphrase Jesus' prayer. It goes a little something like this. He says, God, I'm praying right now, not for me. 
I know what you're going to do. I'm praying so that they would know what you're going to do. And then he says, Lazarus, get up. And the dude jumps right up from the dead. And I read that and I think, Jesus, that's not how you pray. Haven't you ever been to church? This is how you pray. You ask God for something and then you give him all the reasons he doesn't have to do it. You pray like this, like, God, we wanted to have a family day tomorrow and it's supposed to rain. And so we ask you not to let it rain. Of course, not our will, God, but your will. And we know the farmers need the rain, Lord, and you love the farmers and you don't love us more than the farmers. We're not saying that. And you know, you give and you take away and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And you know what, God, just forget it. We'll stay in. Like, that's how you pray. But not Jesus. He just says, I know who you are, God. I know what you're going to do. Lazarus, get up. And that's not the only time. Over and over again, what you see about Jesus is he knows exactly who God is. He knows exactly what God is doing. And because of that, he knows exactly who he is. And he knows exactly what he should be doing. So that like when Satan tempts him after he hasn't eaten for 40 days, and Satan says, and this doesn't even sound evil to me. I mean, you know, I'm not Satan, but Satan says, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus says, nope, that's not what God's doing. Over and over again, Jesus will say, I only do what I see God doing. I only say what I see God saying. God and I are one. Even when he's arrested and he stands before Pilate, the political leader of that day, and Pilate says, don't you understand I have the power over life and death? Like I decide, you live or you die. That's my decision. Don't you understand that? And Jesus looks at him and he says, you only have the power that God gives you absolute clarity, absolute certainty, absolute confidence as to who God is and what God's doing and what that means for him. He doesn't live in the darkness. So see, that's important because we are tempted to think the only way to live is to live in darkness. There are just some things you can't know. I mean, right? You can't really know God. You can't really know what God's doing. Who knows? Nobody knows. You don't really know what to do. You don't really know what decisions to make. But then Jesus shows up and he's like, actually, I do. Actually, I do. And you know, it can be frustrating to be around someone like that. It's like when the teacher shows up and says, I was going to give everyone, I was going to curve everyone's grades. Everybody did bad. Then I got to the last test and Steve, Steve got 100. In that moment, do you find yourself saying, way to go, Steve. You know where he sits too, don't you? Front row, dead center. Yeah, well, you don't look at Steve and like, ah, ah, good for you, Steve. Inside you're thinking, I hate you, Steve. It's like, it's like how we all think we're good looking. I'll speak for us. We all think we're good looking. And then a really good looking person shows up and you're like, oh, that's good looking. What am I? Or you think you're successful, but then you meet someone who's a little more successful and you think, oh, that's, you know, it's like when you're at Target and one of your kids is having a meltdown. I have five kids. This never happens to me, but my wife's told me some stories and, you know, it's, it's like when you're at Target and one of your kids is having a meltdown and you're on the floor just hoping to get out of there somehow with some shred of dignity, Right. And you look, and out of the corner of your eye, passing the aisle, is another mom or dad. Their kids are perfect in the cart because, you know, they've remembered to bring a snack or they're just better than you. <laughs> and as they pass by, you think, I hate you. 
so what am I to do with Jesus saying, Zach, you're in the dark. You were born in the dark. You live in the dark. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of true. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really have the answers. I, I don't know who God is. I don't know what God's doing. And Jesus says, but I don't. I'm in the light. I know who God is. I know what God's doing. I have absolute certainty, absolute clarity, absolute confidence. How am I to read that any other way than feeling utterly oppressed by Jesus? Good for you, Jesus. I'm glad you sleep at night, Jesus. The rest of us, not so much. And that leads me to my third point, which is to say where he can take us. Because if you notice the next part of verse 12, this is the good news. Here's what he says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's interesting when he says that. I am the light of the world. Now, that's, a, that's a bold statement, right? I am the light of the world. I alone, me, only me. I am the light of the world. And when he says it, the religious leaders say, I'm sorry, what? Who are you to say that about yourself? That's what they say to him. You say that about yourself. Who else says that? Like, show me a, a witness. Give me a second. Give me, I mean, everybody in church, you've been in church of votes. What happens? Somebody says, I'm the light of the world. He says, second. That's how you vote. And he said, who's your second? Who's got your back? Who agrees with you? And I want you to see who Jesus says. Look at verse 16 and again at verse 18. Same phrase, it shows up twice. He goes through a long answer that you can read on your own time, but really the sweet spot of the long answer is in verse 16 and verse 18, where he says this. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but listen to this, but I and the Father who sent me. Verse 18, I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. I don't want you to miss this because what Jesus is saying is you're in the dark. You're born in the dark. You live in the dark. We live in the dark. That's all we know. We know the dark. Jesus says that's not true of me. I live in the light. I know who God is. I know what God wants. I know what God is doing. And then he says this, and the reason why I'm here is not to oppress you, but because God doesn't want you to live in the dark. When he says the father who sent me, here's what he's saying. You were born in the dark and you live in the dark, but God turned the light switch on. Now what's significant about that? Listen to me, because what's significant about that is what we tell ourselves when we're tossing and turning at night. And we say, God, are you out there? God, don't you care? God, what are you doing? Is what we tell ourselves is that God is hiding. That, that I must have done something wrong. I, 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 I must not have done enough. Something's right. The answer is out there. God has the answer, but, but I haven't unlocked it. It's like playing hide and go seek. I haven't looked in the right closet. I haven't looked under the bed. Where is God? And if you think about it, that's what most religion is. Hey, pray this many times facing this direction and perhaps maybe you'll find God. Rub these beads when you pray. Maybe, maybe then you'll find God. Do these good things. Maybe if you do enough of them, God will answer you. Don't do these bad things because if you do enough of them, you're never going to hear from God. Maybe if somehow you get the mix right, you'll find God. But Jesus says, no, actually you're in the darkness. You're never going to find 
You're doing this in your religion, but you're, you're never going to find. So God didn't wait for you to find him. God turned on the light himself. That God, Jesus is saying, God wants to be known. God wants you to know him like I know him. And he sent me to show you. And you say, well, okay, well, what does Jesus show us about God? Well, the most important thing is he shows us that, that God loves us. That God desires to rescue us out of the darkness. That God desires for us not only to find him and to have light, but to have it forever. To know him forever. To be part of what he's doing forever. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because if you watch Jesus, Jesus will live righteously in our place. He will die sacrificially in our place. He'll raise from the dead. He'll say, grab hold of me in faith. He'll ascend to the right hand of the Father where we, according to Paul, already exist with him. Is well, how could you ever know any of that? Only if God turns on the light and shows me that is what he is doing. See, if you're here and you're not a Christian, that's why when Christians sing, we sing with such confidence. Have you noticed that in our songs? We declare things. This is who you are. This is, God, what you have done. This is what that means for me. This is what I have because of you. And you think, well, man, Christians are so arrogant to think that they can tell God what they have and they can declare to God what he has done, but that's not it at all. When you're looking for the bathroom and someone turns on the light, you don't say, well, out of humility, I'm going to keep walking like this. You straighten up and you go where the light is leading you. Because when there's light, you have clarity and you have confidence and you have certainty. Jesus says the good news of his gospel is that God is not hiding. God wants to be known. God wants to be found. God wants you to know who he is and what he's doing. God doesn't want you to toss and turn at night wondering if he's out there and wondering if he cares. He wants you to know in Jesus. This means if you've come here this morning and last night you were tossing and turning saying, God, are you out there? God, what are you doing? God, don't you care? Listen, friends, God is not Alexa. The way he answers that prayer isn't when you say, God, should I have grounded my teenager? And the ceiling opens and he says, actually, I thought you were a little harsh. That's not how God works. Listen, God cares so much about you that before you were even born, before you even bought that bed, before you even climbed in it, and before you restlessly said, are you even out there? 2,000 years ago, he answered your prayer. That God says, if you want to know who I am, and you want to know what I'm doing, and you want to know where I'm, where I'm working, if you want to know what you should do, if you want to know who you are, I've already turned on the light switch in Jesus. Look to him. Listen to him. Follow him. Go with him. It's as though we were born into darkness and we live in darkness doing this. And God is saying to us now, if you're still doing this, it's because your eyes are closed. Open them. Look to Jesus and know 
exactly what I'm doing. But brothers and sisters in Christ, you may say, hey, I, I know that. I can meet God and Jesus. I, I understand that. But what about this decision I have to make? What about parenting? What about marriage? What about understanding what's going on with this diagnosis. But you see, friends, Jesus is not inviting us into a moment of light, like the light flashes and you see God for a second and then it dissipates and you're in the dark again and you live forever in the residue of that one experience of light. Now look at what he says in verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have, not have had an experience of, but have had. Jesus is calling us to be people who reject the dark, who reject the uncertainty, who reject ambiguity, and say with confidence, God has given us clarity in Jesus and in the book that's about Jesus. And if I have questions, I don't have to wait for him to answer. I don't have to unlock his answer. He has already told me. He loves me so much, he doesn't even want me to wait. All I have to do is find the answer in Christ. If we were honest, we would say so many of us believe God is hiding from us. That God can't be known and God can't be found. Not with clarity, not with certainty, not with confidence. But Jesus blows that up. You read his life and you say, actually, it looks like God can be found. But friends, Jesus didn't come just so that you would wish you had what he had. He came to live and die and raise so that you could absolutely have what he had. Clarity and certainty and confidence of who God is and what God's doing and what that means for you. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you love us enough to bring us out of the dark. Thank you that you are not hiding, that you are not waiting to be unlocked, that you have spoken in Jesus and all we have to do is open our eyes and find him and follow him. I pray there are those here this morning who have not yet done that, who would do that, who for the first time would say, God, I want to know that you love me. I want to know that you've forgiven me. I want to know that you accept me. And I believe the way I can know that is that Jesus has won those things for me. He told me that. He showed me that. But I also pray for those who are already there but wonder if you care about the practical things in front of them, that you would call them to bring their entire life into your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.